Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Good morning. It's great to be back with you today. Uh, so I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you had a lot of great food and uh, spending time with friends and family and all that kind of fun and watching the biggest football game of the year, right? Sometimes I think uh, that's probably bigger than the national championship game. If you're able to spend time with family this last week, uh, how many of you got a chuckle or maybe it was a sigh out of hearing some of the same old phrases and the same old jokes and the same old mannerisms that you grew up with in one of your parents or siblings or somebody like that, right? Isn't that a fun time to be a family and do that? I asked a question this last week on Facebook. The question was this. What are some of the primary manners your parents taught you as a child? And what were the phrases they used to teach those manners to you? And so here were uh, some of the responses. If you heard this growing up, raise your hands, hoot and holler, uh, make some noise. Don't give a wet fish handshake was one of the responses. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, you heard that. Uh, another one that somebody said, hold the door for older folks and give them your seat if they can't find one. Yeah, anybody? Always refer to your elders as Mr., Mrs., or Ms., but never by the first name. Good old, good old Southern hospitality. I love that. Here's some I'm sure all of us have probably heard. Elbows off the table. Yeah. Chew with your mouth closed. Don't talk with the food in your mouth. And if you can't say anything nice, ah, for others of you, it was more obvious stuff. Don't burp and fart at the table. Say please and thank you is that one I think we all heard, right? And let me guess, almost all of us probably learned that one through a question that was somehow just universal. What was that question when somebody gave you food or something nice? To What do you say, right? How many of you heard that phrase at least a thousand times in your life? You're slow learners like me. I remember visiting my great aunt Geraldine. She was a tough, independent woman. Aunt Geraldine would uh, make toast for us, and it was actually more of a burnt offering than anything else. She was a stickler uh, that insisted that toast was only toast if the entire bread all the way to the crust was extremely and evenly dark brown. She used to critique the toaster we owned when she came and visited us because it wasn't good enough. And I, I mean, my kids can attest to you that I like my toast dark brown like that, but Aunt Geraldine took it to a whole new level. So when we would visit Aunt Geraldine and she'd make toast for us at breakfast, my parents would say, Ross, what do you say? That's not really an honest question, is it? They're not asking for an honest response. Because an honest response, if for any of for you would have been Aunt Geraldine, I'm just so overjoyed to receive this test of how strong my teeth and jaw are as I eat this toast that feels more like shoe leather. And it's such a pleasure that you think so highly of me to challenge me and my taste buds and train them to handle anything because, Aunt Geraldine, if I ever get drafted into the Vietnam War and I become a POW, I'm going to credit you with survival skills. I mean, that would have been an honest response, right? But that wouldn't have been received very well by my parents, would it? And in fact, for that matter, uh, Aunt Geraldine, who uh, wouldn't have received that as genuinely loving and kind as she was, if you cross Aunt Geraldine with bad manners, 
she reminded me more of a Russian gulag commandant than a friendly aunt. No, when somebody says, what do you say? You simply say, thank you. Even if you weren't grateful, what do you say? Thank you. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, the right relational kind thing to do. And I think all of our parents hoped that we would all grow up as children and become adults who would be truly not just saying parroting words, but our hearts would truly be grateful and thankful. Because gratitude is, for so many reasons, so much a part of good relationships in life. I mean, we all love spending time around people who are grateful. It just is easier to spend time with them. Uh, the core reason for being grateful also has to do with our well-being, doesn't it? it our, our well-being science is proving today that thankfulness and gratitude is the most effective long-term solution to increasing your personal happiness in life. Now, we all have holiday attritions. Many of you probably, uh, either before, during, or after your Thanksgiving meal, had to go around the room and tell people what you were thankful, right? How many of you have that tradition on Thanksgiving? If that was tradition you had grown up, that's fun. It's also awkward, isn't it? It's People go around the room, and married couples always you know, say, I'm grateful for my spouse. And if they're newly married, it's really gooey. And if they're old married, it's just kind of, I'm grateful for my spouse, right? Some people say, I'm grateful for food. I'm, I'm grateful for my job. But if you have 10 or 15 or 20 people around the table, you don't want to all say the same thing everyone else does. So you find yourself scrambling for, what in the world am I going to say? Is there anything else I can say? So you hear things like, I'm grateful for video games. Or I'm, um, I'm grateful for the chair I'm sitting on. Then you bite your lip in embarrassment because you go, I wish I could have thought of a better one, right? But now it's Sunday and Thanksgiving came and went and Black Friday, which we shouldn't actually call Black Friday since it goes from Thursday to Saturday. It should just be labeled the black spot on the calendar. We made it through the black spot on the calendar. We made it through the big Michigan game, came and went, and we ate too much on Thursday. We ate too much again at the game on Saturday, and now you're probably having a hard time thinking about what you were thankful for on Thursday. It's so cliché isn't it, to talk about thanksgiving and gratitude on thanksgiving, isn't it? I, just, I realize it. just was like I, don't, I, don't, I almost didn't want to talk about it, but, but I felt like it's important for us to talk about today because it's, it's, it's so important that we learn to cultivate a heart of gratitude. I mean, the ability to give gratitude, express the praise and thanks is, is one of the fundamental signs of spiritual wholeness and of a good life. Thomas Merton said it this way. He said, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of our existence is a gift of his grace. And I love what he says next. He says, gratitude takes nothing for granted. It's never unresponsive. The grateful person knows that God is good, not just by hearsay, but by personal experience. See, the truth is life is good. There's often pain, there's often difficulty and suffering attached to it, but life itself is a good thing. As God intended us to live, life is very good and a gift. And the question for all of us, I think, is where does our heart land? The alternative of a life of gratitude is another kind of heart that, unfortunately, I have to say is sometimes all too much my heart. It's a heart that's chronically focused on solving problems and discontent and complaining and dissatisfied and maybe even at times judgmental. 
I take stuff and people and days and weeks and months for granted. I live with this sense of entitlement, that I'm entitled to all that I have. And ingratitude makes our heart actually grow smaller and colder day after day. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'd all have to say we too often live in that ungrateful place, that, that place where we just expect and assume things in life. So how do I open myself to gratitude on a bigger basis? How, how do I cultivate a grateful heart that, that God intends for us to have, that he intends gratefulness to be the predominant motivation of everything we are, everything we think and talk about and how we view life? Paul says it this way in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Did you catch what Paul says there? Right in the middle of his discussion of facing the anxiety of life and of, of turning to God and talking to God about things and asking him for things, Paul slips in this imperative that is intended to be the bedrock of everything. Do everything in every situation with thanksgiving. We have concerns. We have needs and fears and things we want God to do, things we need God to intervene in, in every situation, in all we do, do it with thanksgiving. Phil Hybels puts it this way. He says, if you learn the delicate and disciplined balancing act of asking God for stuff and thanking God for stuff, you're going to generate an upward virtuous spiral of faith-building prayer that will eventually transport you to the place that Paul talks about on the very next verse, which says this, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That verse is one of the most meaningful verses to me in all the Bible. That peace of God that transcends all understanding, that peace that can't be explained, that doesn't make sense in the circumstances we're facing, that keeps you centered and grounded in your heart and in your mind on Christ and who he is, his power and his love to carry you through anything. Have you ever felt that transcendent peace? When you feel it, it's so powerful. When I've, when I've felt it, the only way I can describe it, it's almost like I feel it in this tangible picture of, uh, of this, this bubble that's all around me, this bubble of safety and, and peace to face whatever's going on. The bubble doesn't eliminate the feelings of sorrow and pain or anxiety or, uh, that I'm facing, but in a sense, that bubble of peace is so strong that it makes it safe to face the threat, to face the fear, to face the sorrow and to face the pain of the stuff that would normally make, make me anxious and even in that moment might be making me anxious to some extent. See, but, but there's this peace that you can't explain around everything. And, and, and you know even in the midst of feeling all that turmoil that life is okay. God is there. Even in the face of death and loss and uncertainty, See, when you pull into God with thanksgiving, knowing that he's there, he's promised to never leave you. Even when the circumstances haven't changed that much, gratitude brings out the power of expectancy that God is involved. 
thankfulness, a life motivated not one day of the year, but in all of life by gratitude. How do we cultivate that kind of a heart, that kind of faith and gratitude and practically live this out? Abraham Lincoln believed so strongly in the value of gratitude in 1863 that in the middle of the Civil War, he proclaimed a specific day every year for the government to be closed, which we still celebrate today, to be solely a day of what he called thanksgiving and praise. And he, he talks about this. He says he knew the process of remembering thanksgiving, and this is our, these are his words, cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is insensible to the ever-watching providence of the Almighty God. So his proclamation, I had never read it before. If you, if you, it's just, it's amazing. Here, here's his actual proclamation. He said, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions so justly do him for such singular deliverances and blessings that they also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows and orphans and mourners and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Signed, Abraham Lincoln. And when you read that in the context of what's going on, that's, that's that, wow, what a proclamation. Thanksgiving changes everything and unlocks for us how big God is when we become and helps us become more aware of him, even in the midst of war and great loss. Abraham Lincoln declared it a day. Paul declares Thanksgiving to be a part of every situation, the hallmark of our lives. Maybe thinking of the power of Thanksgiving and praise and gratitude comes more alive through this. Remember when you were about to walk into the festivities and the spread on Thanksgiving Day that had been prepared for you. How did you walk into that room? Did you walk in nervous, scared, uncertain? Well, if Aunt Geraldine was cooking, maybe you should, but she wasn't. Or did you come in to the room with an expectant heart because you knew you were going to sit down to some really awesome food? See, your expectancy was high because you knew something had been prepared for you. And that's what it's like when we live out of thanksgiving. We know God has prepared good for us in the past and is preparing it again for us, even though we may come into that Thanksgiving feast. And uh, the food may not be absolutely everything we like. We know that it's ample. We know that it's good. We know that it's ready and we're expectant, right? So here are three ways I think we can cultivate and strengthen gratitude and thankfulness in our lives. The first is we can grow in gratitude in our lives by learning to be grateful for the imperfect and the incomplete. If you're married, you wake up every morning to an imperfect gift lying next to you. Don't lie. If you wait to praise your kids until their rooms are perfectly clean, you're rarely going to ever praise them and thank them for that. 
Think about it. Your body is a gift to you. Your personality is a gift to you. Raise your hand if your imperfect body or imperfect personality doesn't always work well for you in life. Yeah? Okay. For the rest of you who didn't raise your hands, we're going to send you to a mixer to meet perfect people so you can make perfect babies, kind of like these dating sites, uh, IQ Elite. You know, you, you only date people who are, you know, your level. Nobody normal, nobody below that, right? See, as flawed as your body is, as flawed as your home is, your, your, your friends, your work, your life may be, if you wait for perfect gifts, you'll never be grateful. But we tend to walk through life with this kind of illusion that only when everything's really good and those gifts are maybe even close to perfect in circumstances, then that produces peace and gratefulness for us. We know that's not the case. We walk through life with that illusion, but, but when we see other people, we tend to admire people who are grateful and exude peace even in the most difficult of circumstances. Those are the people who see things differently. The cloud of difficulty and negative things taking place doesn't obscure how they see things in life. Second, we cultivate gratefulness in our lives by... Times of anxiety and frustration. Now, I know that sounds weird, wrong, stupid, strange to say, but it's true. There's a connection between anxiety and gratitude, between frustration and gratitude in our lives. Take this example. So you wake up one day and you notice, well, there's this growth been going on in my body that just keeps getting larger. It doesn't seem to be going away. And so you do what you never should do. You type in your browser at webmd.com. And you find out all the zillion horrible, absolutely awful things that could be. So you decide you better go to the doctor and get some tests. And the doctor does the tests. And actually, everything's just okay. It's no big deal, right? In that moment, you're actually filled with gratitude, aren't you, that you hadn't had before. Why? Because it goes back to the main point. A life of thankfulness and gratitude changes us. Gratitude is this discipline of seeing. It's a discipline of noticing. Entitlement, the opposite of gratitude, is the habit of not seeing and just assuming, not recognizing the gifts of life because we believe we deserve it. We become accustomed to it. It just should be there. We should always have time off. We should always have the big TV or whatever it is, or we should always be as healthy and strong as we think we should be. Nothing actually has changed in you from before the lump until after the lump was diagnosed and you found out it was okay, the only difference is that the anxiety brought to light what you were taking for granted. Some of you can relate to this. I remember many years ago losing my then four-year-old son, Derek, at the Minnesota Zoo on a really busy day. I was responsible for Derek. Some would debate that, having lost him. But somehow I spaced out and thought he was with Wendy and her parents and they had gone up from the aquarium area where we had been to the dolphin show and so I went up there and I didn't see Derek and I panicked thinking my kid is all alone downstairs with hundreds of people possibly abducted by some evil person and you run downstairs, come on, how many of you have ever lost a kid? Okay, thank you. I'm not the only one. You run down. You know this feeling. You run down and the blood pressure is going up with every second. You can't successfully find him. 
I finally found them in one of those kid-sized tubes that they had jutting out into the aquarium so kids could crawl in and the fish would swim all around them every, you know, from 360 degrees around them. And nothing had changed. But I can't tell you how sweet that hug was in that moment with him when I found him. Gratitude is really a perspective thing, a what-we-see thing. I heard a story recently of a college girl who wrote a note home to mom and dad, and the note note went something like this. It said, Dear Mom and Dad, I have so much to tell you. Because of a fire uh, set off in my dorm by student riots, I experienced some smoke inhalation and temporary lung damage. I had to go to the hospital. And when I was at the hospital, I fell in love with an orderly, and we decided to move in together. And then when I found out I was pregnant a month later, we dropped out of school, and, and then he got fired because of his drinking. And so we're moving to Alaska where we might get married after the birth of our child. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S. None of this really happened. I did flunk chemistry, but I wanted you to have perspective. (laughs) Smart girl, right? We learn and grow in gratitude, even in times of anxiety and frustration. If we're open and honest with ourselves and take the time to see and to notice, to not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to God. One of the most profound ways I've seen this gratitude recently has been in the life of Jake and Sarah Anderson and their uh, little girl, Logan, and their family. Many of you know them and have been praying for them. Their daughter, Logan, was born with a congenital heart uh, defect, had been through, uh, I don't know how many surgeries, seven or so major surgeries in her seven years. She's seven years old. And just a few weeks ago, they found out she has an inoperable, untreatable tumor. In the midst of this potential loss of their precious daughter, they are so amazing to be around because they are so full of gratitude to God and others. Yeah, they're, let's not put them on a pedestal. They're still feeling all the normal healthy emotions that you would feel in a time like that of confusion and anger and fear and, and disappointment and every range of emotion you can imagine, but they're choosing gratitude. Sarah's post on Wednesday was a, a picture of her and her youngest daughter playing with Logan and, and being in the moment celebrating life, and she just simply wrote, blessed. And the present, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which doesn't make sense in the moment, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can we just pause and pray for them right now? And there's others as well. Lord, we just ask that you'd come and that you would be with the Anderson family. Lord, I pray as well that you would be with the Charlie family, that you'd be with Logan, that you'd be with Tom Jr. and and others that I'm sure I'm forgetting, Lord, who are facing uh, life-threatening disease right now. Lord, we ask that you'd come to them in your healing and your presence and your power and your goodness. We trust you and we ask your Holy Spirit to just flood them wherever they're they're at and do your good work in them right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to pray for them. Third way we can grow in gratitude in our lives is expressing gratitude often and openly. In 2013, there was this amazing story of Mylene Paquet, a 30-year-old Canadian woman who 
for some reason, which I'll never relate to, decided to set to be the, to, to want to be the first woman, not just because she's a woman, but she decided to be the first woman to cross the Atlantic in a rowboat. That's what I can't relate to. She unfortunately ran into an unusually difficult stormy season on the Atlantic, and after 83 days at sea, she was nowhere near where she needed to be, and she had lost three, of, three out of four of her communication devices, was running dangerously low on supplies, and was desperately wondering whether she was going to die out there. She managed to get a communication through, unbeknown to her, the Queen Mary II ocean liner left port in New York City and deviated about 100 miles outside of its normal path to bring her supplies and a new sat phone. You can actually go on YouTube and you can actually watch the Queen Mary that's all on YouTube. You can see that exchange. And in that moment, you can see her just overwhelming gratefulness and uh, to uh, and saying thank you over and again, over again, holding up a sign saying thank you to the Queen Mary too. Uh, it revived her hope and it actually enabled her to finish her trek successfully. So she made it there, which in and of itself is an inspiring story of the power of giving and gratitude to, to help carry us through life even and encourage us. But let, let's take a moment to extend that story to a, f- a fictitious hypothetical here. Uh, what if even after she had made it, to within 50 miles of her destination in Europe, another storm had come up and washed her way back out to sea, leaving her once again in the desperate place where she was before, wondering whether she was going to live. She could pray in one of two ways, couldn't she? She could pray, God, I need your help. I need your strength. God, I need you to send winds and current or a boat. I need you to show up and I need, or I'm going to die out here. God, I am so desperate. Where are you? When you pray like that, where does it leave you emotionally and spiritually? Where does it leave your hope and your faith level to face what you're facing? But if we do what Paul says, because we've learned how to love, we've learned how much he loves us and how powerful God is so that our lives are now driven by gratitude that we pray and petition God with our needs in the context of thanksgiving. How different is that for us? I mean, that might look like, God, I'm, I'm so tired. I so, feel so hopeless. I'm exhausted. I'm really concerned. I might not make it. I'm probably going to die out here. But God... The last time my situation was like this, you sent the Queen Mary to me. Wow, is that cool? How awesome was that? You met my need when I thought I was likely going to die. You're so amazing and powerful and kind. You've proven it over and over again. And God, I thank you and I trust you to be with me now and help me face whatever I need to face. Would you show me your plan for me in this moment to come and be with me and rescue me? Now, compare those two ways of praying. Where does that leave you emotionally and spiritually in your faith and your hope when you pray like that? See, every time you see and notice and remember gratitude to God for something he's done in your past for you, it reinforces what he's capable of doing in your current time of need and in your future. Thanksgiving, regularly expressing gratitude does that kind of thing for us when we do it. And it also does it for other people. 
When I'm around other people who pray in that way with thanksgiving, especially when I'm down, I can feel my faith and my hope and encouragement level building because of other people's gratitude helps me look back and see and remember to look at the dozens and dozens of times that I so easily forget how God has shown up in my life. I see and I remember those times. And it helps me change my focus from the negative that I'm facing right now to seeing how I can be grateful even right now, even in the really tough, disappointing, sad, fearful moment. It leads me to strength and it gives me a connection with God that brings me into that peace, that passes understanding, that peace that can see my present trouble and difficulty differently. Last week, I was uh, actually not planning on being at church. I was on a college visit with my son, but we got back earlier than expected. So I spent last week during the Sunday services in the children's ministry. I love your children. We love your children. It is such a joy to spend time with and see how God's working in their heart and, and listen to their little hearts and minds as they learn and as they talk and as they pray and as they worship. I found it interesting, the bottom line for our children's ministry all throughout uh, November has been this, that gratitude is letting others know you see how they've helped you, whether that's God or a person. Gratitude is this habit of seeing, of noticing, of letting others know you have noticed their gift of time, their service, the kindness, whatever the gift is. We need each other to often and openly share gratitude because of how it builds each of us up in our faith and connects us meaningfully to God. Sharing openly and often. For those of you who journal your prayers or journal your major encounters or major spiritual moments with God, this is, this is it's tremendously powerful for you because you get to look back on difficult times and, and say, man, I thought my business was going to fall apart back then and God showed up or, or this conflict that I was facing back then was killing me and killing everything I loved and held dear to me in life and, and God showed up. He showed me a way through it. And it impacts our children for us to share that openly and often as well. I've talked about this before. The Israelites had this habit that God asked them to do. When major events happened in history, they would pile up these big piles of stone so that every time they walked by that pile of stone for centuries and their children would look at the pile and go, hey, mom and dad, what's that? They told the story of God and their children faced the thought in hearing that story. Well, if God could show up and do something on this piece of dirt that I'm standing on right now, back then, then maybe he can show up in my situation and do something as well. See, gratitude and faith are so intertwined that they are inseparable. Our faith, the kind of faith that lives life really well, that accomplishes beautiful things for God, will only be as strong as our gratitude. See, every time you pray, pray prayers laced with thanksgiving and gratitude. Every, every time you speak, try to express gratitude to others and God. Every situation you're in, take the time to see, to really see and experience the gifts right there in front of you in that very moment. Let gratitude fill your heart and your words and your thoughts and your actions.
See, I want you to take a moment to watch this, this video because I think it illustrates for us this idea of choosing, no matter what's going on, to see and to live in gratitude. Thanksgiving and gratitude seems so cliche because it's so simple. It's something we all know, but simple doesn't make it easy. What I love about this video is that it takes intentionality for this single dad having lost his wife to, to see the gratitude and the difficulty, the pace and the, the pain and the sadness of life. It takes intentionality for us to cultivate a heart of gratitude and habits of gratitude. But oh, the difference it makes in life. It makes such, such a tremendous difference. I especially loved how he was with his daughter. Did you, did you notice that? I mean, what was he saying to her? Was, was, he's, he's passing on gratitude to her. What, was she missing her mom? What, what was he helping her in that midst of, of that sadness and confusion? Was he helping her to, to connect with God and see how big God wants to be in her life, even in the midst of that? How big God is still in her life? I mean, if it takes having a gratitude share and being that intentional, maybe that's, maybe that's worth it for us to, to cultivate this habit of seeing, of noticing, and of telling God and telling others all the things there are every day to be grateful for us. That's, that's my prayer for us, for you, for me, that we live a fuller life because our heart becomes saturated with gratitude. So I want to I invite you in this holiday season, make a resolution early. That life would be laced with gratitude in everything you do to become people who regularly and often let others know that we see how they've helped us, that we regularly and often let God know that we see his goodness everywhere around us. So as we close, I want to reread our scripture that we've had for today and, and take a moment to sit with this truth right where you're at. We're just going to give you a few seconds to just, in a sense, make this your Thanksgiving seat. And then after the scripture is done, I want you to just think about some of the, some of the grateful things you are grateful to God for, grateful to others for, and then allow the worship and the band to let you turn that into worship and praise of God as we continue our service today. So here's the scripture again, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It'll guard you. It'll ground you. It'll become that strength in you and keeping your heart and your mind on the goodness of God. Truth is simple, isn't it? It's not always easy. God's inviting us to that kind of worship, to that kind of thanksgiving, to remember and see and allow our lives to be completely different in the motivation. Even when God corrects us 
We sometimes feel guilty, but God wants us to feel gratitude because we look at the times he's corrected us in the past and, and wow, it brought us freedom. He wants that to be the motivation of our heart. I just bless you in this season of the holidays that help us remember family and give us time down to see that. But I, I just pray that that can become more and more a part of each one of our lives. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.